Well, good morning to you all. My name is Kevin. I serve here as the Attridge site pastor. And uh, thank you for your generous giving as you, as you are giving. Uh, it's a great way to live out this morning's message. And uh, it's a great way to learn and grow in dependence on God. We're in a uh, series on the book of James. Uh, James was the brother of Jesus, younger brother of Jesus, and uh, a leader in the early church trying to figure out how to live uh, out the words that that Christ taught uh, only a couple of decades after uh, Jesus Jesus ascended into heaven. And uh, one of the key things for him that if you look through the book, and we'll touch on this in other weeks coming up, is is wealth. Uh, Wealth is one of the key things for him to, to draw out on and to a warning against that. And as we receive this morning's offering, it's a great way to be dependent upon God and to put our trust in God um, as opposed to hoarding, is basically James's word, uh, keeping it all for ourselves. So blessings to you as you, uh, as you give generously. Uh, this morning, I want you to use your imagination to start. Uh, can you please, in your mind, imagine a church? Now, this church has great worship services. This is a church where they are a very welcoming community and they love each other deeply. It's a church where there's really good music, there's really good teaching, and people actually passionately care about understanding Jesus' words, what, what Jesus actually meant. What, did, what was he talking about? In this church, there are a lot of people with differing views, and they have different opinions. Some uh, in this church have uh, beliefs that are different. Some have uh, practices that are different. Some would have traditions from their background that are, that are different. And they wrestle together with these things. They, uh, they figure out, okay, so what is a good worship service? How should we live? What should we do? In this church that you're imagining, sometimes things get a little bit ugly. Uh, sometimes people use words in anger. That, uh, that they end up regretting. In this church, there's some wealthy, influential people, and those people end up getting their way, and that makes it tough on the little guy or those who are more vulnerable. There's also a bunch of people that kind of just shrug and go, well, this is the way it's going to be, And so they go about their routine rather disconnected from their Sunday morning church gathering. Okay, you got a picture in your mind of this church? It could be a modern church. It could be our church. It could be a church in Saskatoon that 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 describes. I'm not sure. Uh, The image, though, that I think of is actually a description of one of the 12 one of the churches that James describes as the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. It's a church of about 2,000 years ago that was wrestling with some of these challenges. James is primarily writing to a Jewish audience, 
And it's only a couple decades after Jesus had been teaching and ascended into heaven. And they're still trying to figure out his words, what to do with them, how to live. He gives an, uh, his letter gives warnings against anger and wealth. He tells people to listen and learn from one another. He tells people to care for the poor. He says to stay away from the temptations of the world. Uh, James would suggest that actions are the proof that come from knowledge, come from faith. That can, they, they can't just be believed. It has to actually be lived out. So with that as a bit of a, a background to the book of James, I, I think we can see that, that the book of James is relevant for today. Whether that's 2,000 years ago or whether that's our own worlds uh, in, our, in our own minds, uh, there's lots there that relates to us today. It takes uh, rather big faith to believe that listening, that guarding your tongue and caring for others instead of looking after yourself is actually the better way to live. Especially in the midst, for them, as the midst of, of persecution from the outside, and then the conflicts and the tensions that we're wrestling with within the church. I would think it was, would be safe to say, based on James's letter, that there are people uh, in those churches that were tempted to throw in the towel and basically just blast someone with anger, with rage. Forget it. I'm not keeping my mouth shut any longer. Blah! And just let someone have it. And James, in a very pointed but pastoral way, says, no, if you, need to, if you know what you need to do, do it. Have big faith that God is bigger than those things that you're wrestling with. That's what, James, uh, that's what Don talked about last week uh, in, in our series to start it all off, is the trials and the temptations and the struggles that we end up dealing with. They become a little bit smaller as we realize the magnificence and the glory and the bigness of God. Not to minimize our challenges that we're all going through, but as we recognize the power of God in our life, in our world, uh, those things aren't as big. So, we're going to continue on with the book of James. Uh, This series is each chapter, there's five chapters in the book of James, each in the NIV each chapter is broken up into two sections. And so that's the guideline for those of you who are reading ahead uh, through this next, uh, next few months uh, of what we'll be doing. Uh, Advent will be in there with, with, uh, in December, and then we'll come back to it in January. So I'm going to read for you this morning uh, James 1, 19 to 27. Follow along in your Bibles. Close your eyes and just listen quietly. Uh, if you want to take notes in our uh, e-bulletin, there's a place for that. You can grab a sheet of paper from out of the Welcome Center uh, to take notes and just kind of allow God's Word to, to speak to you this morning as I read a very practical letter uh, from James to, to the church. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For a person's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says, 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after widows, orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So James ends up starting with be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I talked a little bit about this uh, about a month ago in our discipleship series, and whenever I speak on something and then I end up repeating myself, I hope you all recognize that the pastor, the person delivering the message, is the person who learns the most from the message. And so I just wonder, why, God, am I scheduled to preach on the same thing twice? What are you wanting me to learn? Hey, Kevin, listen up, and then actually do something about it. Okay, got it? Um, I have a lot to learn in this one. I mentioned a month ago, and I'll mention it here, uh, that listening implies obedience. Hearing implies obedience. It's not just hearing something. It's hearing and then doing. So it's instruction, giving the instruction and then the action. So in this first part, where James is saying to listen, the instruction is to listen. And the action is to keep listening, to have a a posture of listening, to say, okay, I hear you, and now I'm going to keep listening. What else do you want to say to me? Not just blow up in anger. I heard something, I don't like it, blah! So, my example a month ago is the same example that I'll use here, uh, and it's when I tell my kids down in the, in the basement where we store our orange juice, hey kids, can you bring up some orange juice for us? I expect the response will be that orange juice shows up and is put on my table. I don't expect... Just a, oh yes, Father, I hear you. And get going. We end up so quickly turning into kids sometimes. And we hear it more in our kids. Because the response could be in the Wien's household, what? Why me? Why do I have to do this? Why doesn't my sister do this? What? Why are you inflicting this terrible punishment on me? I have to bring up the orange juice. What are you talking about? No, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. I mean, we can picture, we can laugh at our kids, my kids. You can laugh at my kids. They're not in the room. That's fine. But we all put ourselves in that same position where there's times where we end up 
blowing up instead of just listening to one another. And in the, in the book of James, in, in the context of James, what he's saying is there's, there's these challenges that we're fa- facing. We're trying to wrestle through things of faith. Listen to one another. Just listen. And I think that's so applicable for us today. So often we get stuck in our own thoughts, in our own direction. I like it this way. So I'm just going to tell you, I like it this way. As opposed to, well, what do you like? What would help you? So when we, when we take a posture of listening, a great way to do that is just simply asking a question instead of making a statement. We all do it. We all just make a statement. This is what I think and this is the way it is. Well, let's stop and let's ask a question first. That, that puts us in a place of humility, of seeking wisdom, seeking something from the other person as opposed to just telling that other person what we think. Good practical advice for the church world. And often what we do is we end up asking people even in our own context that we know the same age, the same small group, the whatever that we've been friends with for a long time, what they think, and we kind of know their answer even before they say it. How about we listen in a broader context? Bruce talks about a 50-foot missions trip where we're like, these people on this side go and talk to these people on this side, and these people on this side even go up and venture into the balcony and talk to the balcony people. And like, how do we, could we do that? Could we actually listen to one another outside of what we think and already kind of, well, everyone in my circle thinks this way, so it must be true, but everyone in your circle is just like you. Why not listen to the various different voices, the various different thoughts in the life of the church? That all starts with simply asking good questions from one another. As we continue along, there's an interesting word in the next verse in in verse 21, and it talks about cleaning out the moral filth. this This is kind of a weird you know, those, like, when you're studying, there, there's these commentaries and, the, and you read these profound biblical scholars and stuff. And like, this is one where I'm just like, really? Like, this one, this is a legit scholar. And, and he says that the word for filth, ruparia in the original language, is a derivative of the word rupos. Okay, so the word that's used for filth, ruparia, the derivative of that word that derived, comes from is rupus. And rupus supposedly is a Greek term for wax in the ear. Like, does this just preach well or is this actually a legit thing? I think it's a legit thing because of the scholar, but I wouldn't believe it otherwise. James may be telling people this. Get rid of everything that would stop your ears uh, from the true word of God. When wax gathers in the ear, it can make a person deaf, and a person's sins can make him deaf to God. Clean out your ears. Clean out the wax in your ears. Remove the filth so that you can actually hear and then act on and do the things that God is asking you to do. Clean out the gunk. Except for the word that is planted in you, which can save you. There's just too much gunk in the way that it it actually isn't, isn't seen. Get rid of the gunk. Get rid of the sin in your life, and you'll see the, the, the word that is planted in you, which can save you. And then he goes on in verse 22. And in case he goes too far to listening, if you've read all of James, this is, this is James. He doesn't want you just to, yes, you need to listen to one another. That's important. 
But now there's some, some action, not just listening. In case you think, oh, okay, I'm just supposed to listen, there's some action that's involved here. Do what it says. Live it out. So here the instruction is, is still to, to listen, but the action that comes with it is, okay, do what it says. It isn't just more listening. It's to do the word of God. At first it was like, listen, and just listen to one another, and make sure you listen, and listening, and listening. And now it's like, listen, and now get on it. Now do it. You've heard stuff? Get acting on it. In this passage here that we're looking at today, there's three parts that James thinks are very important that you act on. These are the three. Keep a tight rein on your tongue. Listen before you speak or get angry. So just watch those words. Second one, get rid of the sin. Don't be polluted by the world. In broader context with James, I would think a lot of that has to do with money and wealth. Live pure, clean lives, removing the sin from your life, like taking the wax out of your ears. The third one, worship God by caring for widows and orphans. So three points James talks about. Watch your words. Live pure lives, take care of widows and orphans, those who are most vulnerable around you. Those are the things to act on. That's what you got to do. You don't just listen, you move on it. You you act on it. You do something. In the midst of this, he uses a a word, uh, don't deceive yourselves. Don't just think that you're you're doing it. Because you listen, yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, I've I've heard that. Yeah, don't deceive yourself with that. You got to be acting on it. And I'll, I'll put this next part in, into modern language to kind of make the mirror image maybe a little, hit home a little bit more, at least for me. So, so if your girlfriend, your wife, whatever, ends up saying to you that you have crumbs stuck in your beard. Okay, beard guys, we know what this is about. You got some crumb or something stuck in your, in your beard. And you go and look into the mirror and you see that there's some crumbs stuff hanging in your beard. You have crumbs on your face. Don't go back to them and say, I don't know what, beard, what, what crumbs you're talking about. I look fine. I'm pretty handsome. I got it. And you got crumbs in your beard. No, if you look into the mirror and you see that you have crumbs in your beard, remove the crumbs from your beard. Like, do something about it. You get it. Otherwise, you're, you're a person with earwax and crumbs in your beard. Remove the earwax, get rid of the crumbs, act on it. Someone, you see that it's there, now do something about it. I think James would have been even a little bit more passionate than I am right now. Just my hint. Look into God's word and don't forget what you hear, but do it. Guard your tongues, live pure lives, care for the poor. Then you will be blessed. Don't say, ah, yeah, I heard it. I got it. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was a good, good message, Pastor. I hear you. No, blessing comes not from the instruction in hearing the instruction. It comes from the action and living it out. Now, in the midst of this, I, I do need to say that there's a theologically like thorny passage within here. And I want to point out for the keeners in the room that are going to do more study later. Good for you. Uh, it's, it's in verse 25. It's this, this line of the perfect law that gives freedom. And Psalm talks about the perfect law as, as well. And, and 
the perfect law is, is, would be known to the Jewish audience as the Torah or, or the Ten Commandments, the, the teachings, the, the law of the Old Testament that gives freedom. Now, if you've read the New Testament, it is not the law that provides freedom. Paul is very set on teaching us that it is not the law. It is Jesus Christ who provides freedom. So the book of Acts uh, 13, 38, 39 says this. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. So this is new. This is radical to the, to the Jewish believers. Whoa. Like we're, they're just getting their heads around this because it was the law that they believed was, would end up being like what they upheld. And now it's like the next passage, what Paul says, Christ is the end of the law. The newer version of the NIV says the culmination, the fulfillment, the culmination of, of the law. But the NIV, here it talks about this, this is the end of the law. In Jewish circles, the law was, was external holiness. It was to be, be lived out and it was taken overboard into legalism. For the Jews, the law didn't save a person from sin. The, the blood of a perfect sacrifice was required. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was that perfect sacrifice. It is because of him, the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, that we are free from sin. This little line in here has caused much division throughout history and, and time and whatever. Um, it's a whole sermon on its own. There's lots of good study with it. Uh, James is very practical and to the point, and so I'm not going to go much deeper than that uh, other than to say uh, study this further on your own uh, in your small groups. Talk about it there. Um, it's an important passage to, uh, to discuss. Let's continue. Uh, verse 26. Here the key word is religion. Uh, this word religion is actually the outward expression of a religious ceremony. The religious worship service. Uh, the liturgy. The, the form that the worship comes in. The gathering, the singing, the preaching, the offering, the communion. The, what we're, the Sunday morning service. So James is saying that the best worship service, if we're trying to figure out what is a good worship service, the best worship service is one where you keep a tight rein on your tongue. You don't get angry. The best worship service is the one where you care for widows and orphans. The absolutely best, the, the crescendo of the worship service is when you're not polluted by the world, when you remain pure in the midst of temptation. Some, some quotes on this. The finest liturgy you can offer to God is service to the poor and personal purity. What is heard in the holy place must be lived out in the marketplace, or there's no point in hearing it at all. I think it's fair for us to, to say that, that widows and orphans in that context, they didn't have any rights. They were, they were extremely vulnerable. I think it's fair for us to go, who are the vulnerable in our context today? Who are those people that they don't have rights, or they're, they're, they don't have the ability to, to care for themselves? How do we care for them as the church? 
Like James is saying, think beyond your own needs, your own desires. It's not just good advice for here on a Sunday morning, but that's good advice throughout the week as our worship service continues, as we serve the vulnerable and we resist the temptations, as we, as we continue on with the worship service as we leave here. So for those of you that are from other church contexts, uh, we do things a little bit different than other churches in that we have the sermon earlier in the service. We do a song, we do some announcements, some church family life, letting people know what's going on, and then we, then we have the sermon, and then we sing and respond, whereas other churches maybe do more singing before and then have the sermon. So we call this revelation and response. God reveals to his word and through his word, and then we respond. Now, th- this is good because we can hear God's word and then we can live it out. We can Sometimes we have the offering later and we give generously or whatever it may be. Uh, The risk of this, though, is that sometimes we could be tempted to think, okay, I've heard from God's word, I had my time to respond, I'm now going for lunch, and I'm done. James is saying, no, 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 no. Sure, listen to God's word, that's good. And in community worship and and respond that way and then continue and even step up the response throughout the week in your jobs in your families wherever you may be that's the true worship service that God, Jesus is is looking for here is to live out those things of the service throughout the week If we don't, uh, James would say to us, so what, on Sunday your ears were full of wax? Your mom didn't clean them out Saturday night when you took your bath? A couple of uh, simple ideas for application. Uh, The first one, uh, every now and then I get new people coming to me or talk about, okay, so what do you wear to church in your church? Like, what do, you, what do you wear on Sunday? And, and what, what does, what's your dress code as a church? What should you wear? T-shirt and shorts, suit, middle-of-the-road guy. Like, what do you, what, what's important? I think in, this, in the spirit of James and what he's talking about of, like, the best worship service being serving the poor. So our, our actual clothing guidelines for Forest Grove Community Church, if you would like to know what you need to wear Go and read Colossians chapter 3. Clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That is what we expect you to put on. That's what we expect you to wear as part of our clothing guidelines. Again, that little twist, you know, that James does. Kind of like, what do we need to do in the worship service? What's the best singing? What's the best? No, no, no. Go serve the poor. What do we wear? Uh, Compassion. The clothing, the the singing, those things are not the important parts throughout Scripture. It's the heart matters. It's the caring for the poor. It's the compassion, the kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those are the things that matter in the life of the church. Second of all, second application point, how do we care for widows? I I interviewed three widows. I I mean, when when I say widows, I'm meaning the vulnerable, broader, but then what I did is I thought, okay, we have widows. We have new widows in our, in our church. So I interviewed three of them. How are we doing as a church? How are we doing caring for our widows? They're of different ages. 
uh, different marriage lengths and, and whatever. And I got a couple of, of tips for us of how we can uh, care for our widows better. One is include them. Just keep including them. If you were friends with them before uh, their husband died, uh, remain friends with them. Don't leave them. They need people around them. Second, uh, realize that they still have much to offer. They're not, it's hard for them, they've said, to get out. It's hard. Evenings are hard. Quiet home all by yourself is tough. Um, they still have lots of, oppor- lots of gifts to, to use in the life of the church. Help them to serve. Help them to get out and contribute into uh, the life of the church, in the community, whatever. That's helpful. Not to just go, well, okay, I guess we need to help the widow. No, a lot of them still have a lot of gifts that can still be used and they still want to use in the life of our church. And so contribute with them, include them, involve them with that. Uh, the other one that they, they all consistently said was listen. Your words are not going to make their life any better. What's happened has happened. Where they are is where they are. Words will not help. They do need someone just to listen. Not offering advice. Just listen to them, which I think connects really well with this morning's message from James. We need to do a good job of caring for those who are most vulnerable. Widows are one of them. Not in the same way as they were back in, in 2,000 years ago in, in James's time, but each of us needs to consistently think through, okay, how do we care for the most vulnerable in our world in our, uh, today? I'm going to call up the worship team. Um, we're going to respond We're going to declare God's glory. We're going to celebrate Jesus' victory. We're going to give generously. We're going to bless one another. But remember, the real worship service starts when you leave here and when you care for others, when you resist temptations of this world, when you guard your tongue, when you live pure lives. That's the true worship service that Jesus is calling us to. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we invite you in our community to be speaking to us clearly. How each one of us individually can live out uh, the words that you are are saying to us. How we can also live it out corporately and, and as a group. How do we care in a broader context? Holy Spirit, we trust that you will continue to speak to us. We trust that your spirit will challenge us, convict us encourage us. God, may we, may we have clean ears to your word and then the courage to live that out in the context that each of us are, are going to throughout this week. For your glory, Jesus. Amen.